Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court, and as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. I'm always excited when we have a guest from America on because they get to say, look, if you don't understand Stuart's <laughs> accent, you can just ask me for translation. So I'm really <laughs> hoping that our guest uh, guest today really uh, hasn't got a clue what you're saying, Stuart, because that's always makes my makes my day really fun. <laughs> cool. I'm glad I can uh, be of uh, service to you. This week, as Adam said, we are joined by a special guest, a national champion in 2015 with the Ohio State Buckeyes, a former Seahawks safety and now a regular on 97.1 FM, The Fan in Columbus. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Tyvis Powell. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. I appreciate this, man. You know what? I can't. The, the funny thing is so far, I've been able to understand everything you said. So I don't know. If, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see if I can finish this whole podcast. <laughs> well, he, he, he hasn't he hasn't started drinking yet. So that's when he's going to be serious. Well, listen, my, my father is Jamaican. So sometimes if, if I can understand him, I, I should be good. Because sometimes I'll be like, what did you say? <laughs> So we good. So uh, yeah. So last year I interviewed a uh, French Canadian, and yeah, he uh, he was making up his answers to questions he he thought I asked. I think at, at the end, because <laughs> then I think he really struggled. Um, so yeah, well, I, I really do appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, before we dive in on your time in the league and obviously in Seattle, I went back and looked at that Buckeyes team that won everything in 2014, 2015. Yes. I mean, was it a given that you were winning? Oh, because for those who don't follow college football and just follow. NFL. This is some of the guys that you played in that team with. Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, Curtis Samuel, Von Bal, Joey Bosa. You had three quarterbacks that made it to the league in Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones, and JT Barrett, and obviously yourself as well. That is what they call a squad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I'm going to tell you right now, it was not a given because, you know, going into that season, the prior to that season, the season before, we had one of the worst defenses in Ohio State history. I mean, we was terrible. But our offense was really good. So coming into that season, we had a new defensive coordinator by the name of Chris Ash. He came from Wisconsin. And, you know, he installed a totally new defense. And, you know, when you're going in, when you're getting a new defense, you never know how it's going to go. You know, you don't, you, know, you don't know how the players is going to respond. You don't know if it's going to work or not. You just you kind of put something out there and see if it's going to work. And on top of that, in the preseason, when training camp, Braxton Miller, who was actually who was projected to be our starting quarterback that season, got hurt in training camp. So you lose a guy like Braxton, like you don't know (laughs) Braxton was that deal at quarterback. I mean, he was like Michael Vick at quarterback for us. And when we lost him, you know, it was obviously a huge blow and we had no idea how that season was going to go because that was a huge big time playmaker. I mean, he made like. 80% 80% of the plays on offense. So, yeah, no, it was not a given. I say all that to say it was a worried. <laughs> it was a little worried going yeah, into yeah. the season. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure you may be aware of that at this point, but anyone beating the Oregon Ducks in a national title game in Seattle is probably a very popular thing for you to walk into Seattle with a couple of years later as an undrafted guy as well. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a. Uh, it was that I had a grin on my face going in there for sure. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know, but I didn't meet a lot of Oregon fans out there. Uh, it was a lot of Washington fans, but not a lot of Oregon fans. So we yeah, was kind of good. 
you, you, you <laughs> led the title game in tackles as well, didn't you? His, his, I believe I did. Yeah, score. I believe I did. You know you did. None of that. <laughs> I believe you, did. Listen, you know full it's, well it's, what you did. Come on, so we're all friends ago. here. It's been so long ago. I don't. I don't remember. You know, was, uh, I just remember winning the game. You know, and I remember some bits and pieces of the key moments of the game and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, the, remember, one. I don't big, remember my stats. <laughs> one of the bigger things um, in, especially with college sports, that isn't isn't doesn't seem to be as translated to the pros is. Like the tribalism we get over here with soccer, with football over here, it seems to be more of a thing in college football because Columbus on Saturdays is Ohio State or stay in your house, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, no, you come, they come out to the games on Saturdays. I mean, it's, I mean, atmosphere wise, it's pretty. It's pretty similar, um, especially like when you go to a place like Seattle, going to the NFL. I mean, they are. No, that 12 fan thing, they take that very seriously. So, I mean, they fan support is just as good as Ohio State's fan support. So it really isn't that big of a difference as far as playing wise. It's a, I mean, it's it's the same game, but it's obviously it's different schemes and you playing with the best of the best. I mean, this is literally the elite of the elite. And basically everybody's skill set is pretty even, you know, in college. Obviously, recruiting plays a huge part where, you know, your 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 school might recruit better and you just got better athletes than the other school. But in NFL, I mean, everybody's pretty similar or, or somebody's a little bit better, but everybody's pretty much evenly talented. So that's why that's the big difference. I, uh, I always ask players like, um, you know, over here in soccer, you hear ex-professionals say, you know, it was amazing what they did on the field, but oh my goodness, you should have seen what he did in practice or in training, oh, yeah. like some of the stuff he did. Now, normally I'm asking that to NFL players because, you know, we've had KJ Wright and he said, oh my goodness, Earl Thomas, you've never seen anything like what this guy could do in training. But maybe you had that experience in the NFL as well, but you were playing with some unbelievable guys in college. Like, are there any, I'm a stories guy, right? So are there any kind of things that stick in your mind that like, I saw this thing in practice and I was like, okay, this is bigger than high school now because this is serious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so when I got obviously Braxton Miller, for example, Braxton. <laughs> so we was doing a, a, it was like a team period, right? And <laughs> I was sitting on the side. Obviously, I wasn't a starter at the time, so I'm sitting on the side and I'm watching him go in this team period. And I watched him like juke the whole the D line had got back to him, and he like shook them all and like turned around. Broke their ankles, reverse field, threw it down the field and threw a touchdown. And I was sitting there just looking at it like, first of all, <laughs> how do you defend that? That's first of all. Secondly, say, man, I'm so glad that this man is on our team. because <laughs> If we had to go against that, it'd be a long day. So that was one of the cool things that I did see in practice when I was at Ohio State. Uh, so on, on to on to your NFL career, on to Seattle uh, first, uh, I think one of the first. I think I started following you on socials after it. You chronicled your draft weekend with GoPro. I think it was yes. on YouTube. Yeah, and like you, you like by the end of the like the third or fourth part, the final part of it, you are going through the mill. It seems is like your phone is just getting oh, all, of, all all of the area codes in America yeah, are coming through up. your mobile phone. <laughs> so how 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 was that to be like so open about? The big what what it was the biggest weekend of your life and prof well professional career for for certain to like be so open and let people in that way. 
Well, I mean, I've, I kind of live my life kind of like an open book. You know, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. So, you know, I, it was one of those things. A lot of people have questions about, you know, how was the draft process like, you know, going to the senior bowl, going to the combine, training, what doing the draft like people got questions that people want to see it so when the opportunity presented itself i was like you know sure you know i love to have people watch me go through this experience and see what i what i did and <laughs> obviously you know it didn't i didn't get drafted but people got to see what the what the undrafted it turned into what an <laughs> undrafted life would be like because obviously you know you hear all this glamour stories about oh yeah the phone ring i got drafted it was the best day <laughs> blah 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 but nobody talk about the undrafted what happened when you went there when all those picks go by your name don't get called what happens then so it was cool to see like people see my phone blowing up like hey you want to come here and sign here sign here and it was just like Man, it was chaotic, man. I ain't gonna lie. Yo, I was like, I was like, I'm on the phone with one team. I'm like, hold on, let me I gotta click over it. And I'm like, it, I, it was just wild, man. It was I didn't have really time to like be mad at the fact that I wasn't drafted. I mean, obviously, you know, that cut me kind of deep, but I didn't get the time to like cry about it or be mad because I was too busy answering the phone trying to figure <laughs> out what my next move was. So I kind of overlooked that whole thing. Yeah. Apart from apart from actually hearing your name, which presumably would be, you know, an amazing moment for people. Is there a point in the draft where it gets to a stage where like I could get picked by Jacksonville or I could go undrafted and have my pick of the litter? Like, did it get to a stage with that where you was like at some point it's like, don't pick me, please. I, I don't want to hear my name. Like, let, yeah, let me. I mean, when I got to or probably when I got to about round six. You know, at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to be drafted. Like, I, let me just pick where I'm going to go because I can kind of dictate my future. You know, if I go to a place and I'm, I'm a six-round pick, obviously they don't owe me anything. That's first of all. And secondly, you know, they might put me on a place where it's stacked. Like, it's the, the safety position was stacked. So it's like I have no chance of making this team anyway. So, you know, when you get to about round six, I want to say that's where I was like, you know what, it's just better off if I don't even hear my name. Let me just just figure it out. Let me just select where I want to go. Well, was, was, was that a thing that kind of sealed it for Seattle? Obviously, we have Pete Cowley's, like, whole thing is coaching defensive backs. And you were walking <laughs> to a defensive back room with three three quarters of one of the best secondaries the NFL has seen in a generation yeah. with Sherman, Earl and Cam. Was that kind of like the whole thing mesh that kind of sealed it for yeah, you to go from was, Ohio? That was definitely one of the things, you know, I thought about all the people that was there, you know, I thought about, you know, a Doug Baldwin, I thought about a Michael Bennett, like those guys had successful careers and they were undrafted, you know, like they, they still on the team. They went on to have great NFL careers and they were all undrafted. So it was like, OK, what do I want out of the NFL? I want to be considered. I want to be great. You know, I want to be I want to see what it looks like. How about having an example right in front of me every day? You know, it's a bunch of I think it was like four guys on that team that was like big time players that was undrafted. So I'm like, OK, I got it right in front of me. This is my motivation. I see what it looks like. I could study them and see what they do on top of that. I mean, it's the LOB. I mean, this is the best secondary in the NFL like that I've been around, well, that I've heard of at the time. So it's like, let me go learn from these guys. Like, I, let me learn what skill sets they got. You know, let me let, let them take me under their wing, if you will. And, and if I don't make it here, at least I got some knowledge and I could probably go somewhere else and make it because obviously I'm learning from the best. Mm. How, so how, how was that walking into that room with Sherm? So he, <laughs> he, he seems like someone who, is going to be like like p- 
put the arm, put the arm around the shoulder kind of thing. And yeah, kind of yeah, the, yeah, you know, yeah. Lead by example kind of thing. Yeah, sure. You know, me and, <laughs> funny story about him. Me and him talk all the time. Actually, I talked to him this, today, actually, and he called me this week. But anyways, Sherm is the type of guy, we started off kind of on the wrong foot, you know, because... <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Type. Come <laughs> yeah. on, listen. No, we got we started off on the road foot because he was saying, "All right, so we was in the locker room, and he was he was talking to somebody about getting a, a frappuccino from Starbucks." And I told him, "That was like that sounds like a, something that a woman would get. Like that's a woman's drink." Like he basically. He got mad at me because I said that it was a woman's drink. And me and him, from that day forward, all the way till present day, me and him argue every day about something. We <laughs> never really can agree on anything. And it's that's just the way our relationship has been. Now, that man verbally harassed me. <laughs> he verbally harassed me. Because, see, Sherm's problem is Sherm needs to be knocked off his high horse. He thinks he know everything. And I was the guy. I didn't care if I was a rookie. I was the guy that held everybody accountable because, I mean, coming from Ohio State, that was what they taught me, to be accountable for everything. So, you know, if I see somebody mess up, all pro Richard Sherman, if I see all pro Richard Sherman messing up, I'm going to coach him up and say, this is what you should have And they looking at me. But it wasn't just him. I did that to him, Earl, Cam, everybody. And, but they, they would look at me like, who you think you are? But they couldn't be mad at They couldn't be mad at me because what I was saying was right. So they like, you know, who you think you are? You right to say what you said, but you ain't got clout to say that yet. So. It was it was a good relationship that I built with all of them, you know, because they it was just an honest and real thing. And I wasn't expecting them to be so, so cool. You know, I thought that, you know, they would be like, we ain't got time for you a rookie. Go figure it out with somebody else. But no, they was like really like on some stay after practice type thing. If you got a question, let's watch film together. You know, we could take notes here. Look, check these notes out. Get that. Learn that. It was man. They were some real people, man. The L.O.B. was real. I was listening to Bobby Wagner on a Seahawks man to man podcast yesterday. And he was saying that like something that's underrated is how close everyone was, like how friendly and, you know, they would sit there for five hours and talk about ball and talk about a play that may come up in the next game. And more often than not, it did. And we were lucky to have Doug Baldwin on with us last year. And something that he mentioned was that Cam Chancellor would watch the offensive film and go to him and say, you didn't do that right. And the word that Doug used to encapsulate all of that was grind and, and strain, like yeah. the strain that they were all going through. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that, that's a really nice kind of word for us to play on. But are there any things you can think of where you, you looked at it and thought, that's an example of that, like you saw it in the team? Because it was lightning in a bottle, that team. Like the, the players they had, it's unlikely to ever happen again. And I think what's underrated is how hard those guys work. Like they just think, well, you just do it again. It doesn't seem like you can because it seemed like a pretty group, special group of people. Well, no, actually, I they they kind of demonstrated like why they were the best on a daily basis. I mean, like practice wise, I mean, I won't say that they were flawless because they made mistakes, but they made mistakes at 100 miles an hour. And what that what made that defense so special, it was like, don't be afraid to do something. Like if you mess up, don't worry, we got your back, like type thing. And it was you seen it in practice. I mean, like I, it was many a day that I seen like a like a corner come up and misfit something, and the safeties flew over there and made it right. And it was just like you never could tell that the corner messed up because it was like they was flying around. Then on top of that, 
you know, when it came to film session, I mean, they was like, they were saying, they was picking up on stuff that an office would do, like tendencies, and they were spitting it out in meetings. And I'm like, how in the world did you even <laughs> recognize that that was going on? They just be like, look, man, it's just, you got to look for something. The number one person who could pick up on things kind of, kind of in a weird way was like Earl, because Earl would sit there and like, I, I promise you, all he did was watch film. Like it was, like, I understand, like, don't get me wrong. I was a professional athlete and I get watching film. This man literally did nothing but put his head down and look in that iPad and he would watch the same play like 20 times. So I, one day I say, Earl, like, what are you looking at? He said, he said, listen, I'm looking for any tip that I can find on this play. And I'm just like, I, 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 I see why you like all <laughs> pro now, because like, you really going above head and shoulders above. And then lastly, I remember being in Seattle. We were playing, I can't remember, I think it was the Panthers. And we were, I think we were blowing them out. And they put the they put the second unit in, right? And the second unit ended up giving up like some type of big catch or something like that. And I remember <laughs> the, the start the start the secondary, like Sherm and Cam, and it was mad. Like really, man. They like like when you go in the game, like you gotta you gotta continue to dominate. Like we was dominate because we want to be the best to ever do this. And y'all can't go in there and mess up and let them like basically get yards because it's gonna look bad on us totally when we get to the end of the season. Like that matters. And I was like, man, y'all really, <laughs> y'all really like that attention to detail. Like it really matters that much to y'all. Like it's just. Like y'all, we won the game. We up by like 20 points. Like, you know, people ain't ain't to the level of y'all are, but they expect everybody to be as good as them. If you're gonna go in that game, you represent them. So, you know, that was like the first time that I actually seen somebody take it that serious. So that is kudos to them. Yeah, I thought I, I think I remember them everyone celebrating when they broke the points per game record, didn't they? For like the fourth straight year when in Arizona. Was- Were you playing in that game, Tyvis? The last game of the season was in Glendale. Of 2016? Yeah, I think yeah. it was the fourth year in a row they broke the scoring record. May have been 2017. I wasn't there in 2017, I don't think. It was the year that I think the Cardinals went to the championship game, but we went down there and blew them out on the last game of the season. <laughs> and I think that set the scoring record four mm-hmm. years in a row. Bruce Aarons was as red as your jacket uh, right now at the end of that game. Because I, I do... I can't remember if we – I want to say we did finish against the car. Or was it Seattle? I mean, not Seattle. Was it San Fran? 2016. I cannot remember for the life of me. I think – I can't remember if it was Seattle. It was the red team that we played. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say, it, was, I want to say it was the car, but I'm, I can't remember. Wow. So, so, the, so there's one phrase we've heard a lot from – the one the guys have been lucky enough to have on this part also of through their interviews for the years about iron sharpens iron so that's something you can like truly attest to watching and observing for oh yeah six seven months oh yeah 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 i mean you got best on the best i mean I, it was many a day that I, the best the best competition that i see outside of you know the offense and d-line going at it was Sherm versus Doug. <laughs> now the funny thing, now this is this is funny. This is real what I'm about to say because I was on scout team, so I would go against Doug all the time. 
And Doug used to spin me like a top. I could not check Doug on the release. Doug was Doug by far to me was the hardest receiver I've ever checked in my life, right? And I would watch him and Sherm go at it. And I'm just like, now sometimes Doug against Sherm, but Sherm will get Doug a lot. And I used to be like, how are you doing this? But then <laughs> what happened was they were so competitive with each other that they used to get into fights all the time. Like they would literally get into like violent confrontations. And I would be like, I see why y'all two is like, why Sherm is so good. And I see why Doug is so good because like y'all two really bring the best out of each other. Like y'all come to work. Like y'all don't take reps off with each other. Like y'all two really is trying to make each other better. So that was one competition that I definitely seen iron sharpen iron right there for sure. Yeah. But what was that like though when you went to other places in the league? Obviously, you played for the 49ers, the Jets. Was it, I guess it obviously wasn't the same, but was that something you tried to bring into those defensive back rooms to think the, the things and the pearls, the bits of wisdom you'd learned from? Sherman Earl and everyone else in that locker room. Yes. Yes, I did. Well, the funny thing about, so the thing about when I got to San Fran, I got to spend one year, like a full, well, not a full year, but it was, I got there like mid-year. And, you know, they weren't a very good team. and But it was a close group. And I was like, okay, this is good that y'all, we bond like this. Like, we can build off of this. And sure enough, that I think the next year Sherm ended up coming over there. And it was like, <laughs> it was like cool though, because like like everything that I was trying to say, like obviously he was echoing the same thing that I was saying. So, and a lot of ways that I carried myself was basically because I learned it from Seattle. So when they seen when they seen Sherm, it was funny. We got to see it, we got to San Fran and we're doing a a, a press drill. And <laughs> Sherm gets up there and he he got his little routine and he does the drill. Then they put the film on me. I get up there and I did the exact same routine that Sherm did and I did the drill. So they started laughing. <laughs> they was like, why do y'all two do that? I was like, I learned it from Sherm. So I just, <laughs> that's what I do. So that's one of the things that, and then I, the next thing I know, I started seeing a lot of people start doing the same routine that we did. So it was kind of funny that people picked up on it. One thing that always gets discussed about the Seahawks is like, you know, the team culture and what it was like to play for them. And, you know, we had Nick Ballor on who you may have crossed paths with in San Francisco, actually roughly similar time. But, you know, he said that the culture in Seattle was so different to when he was in Detroit and San Fran and the Jets. Is that something that comes from the top down from Pete or is it player up like from the guys? Maybe it's a bit of both. And, Obviously, it's a really nice catchphrase for us to, as fans to hear, like, oh, what a team culture. But what does it mean? Like, on a daily basis, how does that impact how you live your life as a, as a Seahawk, as a Jet, as a, as a cult? So I believe that in Seattle, I want to say that it started with Pete. I think culture is always dictated by the head coach. You know, he comes in and some people come in there and they're aggressive. They lay the law down. You know, it's like it's my way or the highway type thing. But Pete, <laughs> Pete's thing was like, we're going to go really hard. Like We're going to go really extremely hard and we're going to compete, compete, compete. But we're going to have fun while we do it. And it's just, man, it's, <laughs> it's I tell you right now, I always enjoy, you know, going to practice because to me, it's like getting better. Like to me, I, I like getting better at what I'm doing. 
But for some odd reason, when I was in Seattle, man, it's like when that when that when it was time to wake up in the morning, I like jumped out the bed and like, let's get to the facility because it's like I want to get around the guys. It's like the culture there is like everybody's upbeat. Everybody's having fun. But I mean, we grind and like we watching film, watching tape, but like meetings, obviously the coaches is kind of funny. So it's like the, the, <laughs> we go in there and they crack a couple of jokes. They got some videos on YouTube. The music is cranking. It's just like it's just the atmosphere in Seattle. So I think that's just something that obviously, like I say, the coach brings it, but the players have to buy into it. And you can tell that in Seattle, everybody bought into it. I mean, everybody enjoyed being there. It was like even guys that I know that left there, like they was like when I when I fought, like when I left San Fran or if I left to go wherever the heck I play, I put on like eight teams. People, if I met a guy who was at Seattle, the first thing they would tell me is. It ain't like Seattle. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> so so when, I, when I used to say that, I kind of knew what, what they was hitting to when they said that. But that in, was what, like, in what sense? Sorry, Ty, in what sense? Because obviously, look, I know you you know what that means. But yeah, for, an, means- for an idiot like me, like, ha- what is that? Is that, you know, is it different eggs at breakfast? Is it, you know, you're sitting no, no, in, no, no, in no. the egg? <laughs> so when somebody, you know what I mean? When they say it's not like Seattle, that basically mean like, it's, it's all work, no play type thing. Like in Seattle, we have fun. Like you play around, have fun with it. You enjoy being here. Um, we, the meet, Like I said, the meetings is crunk, all that stuff. Got the music playing. It's, <laughs> you can crack jokes and all that. But like if you go somewhere else, if somebody tell you it ain't like Seattle, that means it ain't no fun, bro. You come to work, <laughs> it's like a job. This is like a job. <laughs> this ain't something that you want to do. You ain't going to come in here. You ain't going to be eager to get out to bed in the morning to come to the facility. It's going to be like, oh, here we go with this again. That's that's the feeling you're going to have. So that I knew what that meant when they said that. So was uh, ping pong or pick up basketball your thing in Seattle? Because I know they are quite competitive <laughs> and consistent. Yeah, so- so I've never played ping pong a day in my life, but <laughs> when you get to Seattle, you gonna learn how to play ping pong. But I was more of a, I was more on the hoop side. You know, they do the shoot off in the meeting rooms. You know, they they, they whoever they pick somebody for you to go against it. You got to try to you know shoot the. You got to I think it's a minute to shoot as many, make as many as you can. I had a pretty good record, man. My jump was on some days. Some days it wasn't. You know, but, you know, I, I do remember my last time going. Um, I definitely won. I think I went against one of the coaches, though, and I ended up winning. I, I like I, I think I missed like one shot. I was on. Oh, we I was on. So, <laughs> you know, basketball definitely was my my go to. Yeah. Uh, back on the draft, obviously, it's a week away, under a week away now. Um, also, as I said, you're, you're now uh, dipping your toe, dipping your feet, diving in, whichever one fits in, uh, into the media side and the radio there in Columbus. Obviously, from that new vantage point, how do you mesh like profiling these 21, 22, 23-year-olds who are about to have their lives changed to having to like get through a radio show, but not like, how do you mesh the two, like living through it six years ago, but now being in your role on radio in Columbus? Well, for me, you know, people, it's just about just sharing my experience, you know, obviously going through it. People want to hear about that stuff, you know, because like I said, people interested in the draft, the whole draft experience. So, you know, now that I'm on the outside looking in, you know, it's for me, I get to it's the joy of seeing people's lives change. I like seeing these people go in the first round. I like to see what teams are thinking. You know, when I when I turn the film on. And, you know, they show the highlight reels of these players. Like, I want to be like, okay, 
Like I, I see his play and I see the plays that he making, you know, this guy will definitely be good on the next level. And then there's some guys that I'd be like, I, you, I don't really see it, but you know, what, you know, to each his own. But the, I think the, the part that really interests me the most is the guys that don't get drafted high. Uh, I like to see the, the, the day three guys and, and the undrafted guys, because those are the guys that, you know, the odds is stacked against them and it's going to really tell what type of person you are. You know, are you are you so upset with the fact that you didn't get drafted or you didn't get drafted where you want to be that it affects your future? Like you 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 so like, man, I or is that what's going to be on your mind? Like I should have been here. I could have been drafted here that you missed this opportunity. Or are you going to use that to fuel you like, you know what? I, as long as I got an opportunity to be there, it doesn't matter if I was the first pick or if I was the last pick or if I wasn't picked at all. I got an opportunity to play this game and I'm going to give it my all and be the best that I can be. Like, that's the mentality that you have to have to make it in that league. So it's, it's it be, to me, it's interesting to see if people have that factor. That idea of, you know, that could have been me. I, sh- I could have gone there. You played with some incredible guys that we've named already that when it came to the draft, you know, they went pretty high. And I'm thinking Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And, you know, Stu and I have spoken about someone like Josh Rosen, who goes 10 in the draft to Arizona. It's a terrible spot for him to go. And he basically has his career. Look, maybe it's on him, but his career amounts to nothing ultimately, in part because of situation. You seem to be a real players guy, like following you on socials. You seem like in a real new breed of guys that will, you know, tweet out in support of player first. And I think that that player vocalizing stuff is really great going forward. But is it discussed amongst guys of like, man, if I go there, like that could really hinder what I want to do. And, you know, it, it seems like quite a weird process to be in that your future could be defined by basically one guy handing in a card that takes you to the wrong place. Yeah, I mean... It, I'm, it's definitely guys that, you know, when you when you going through the draft process, it was definitely teams that I thought like, man, I, I don't know if I really I don't think that would be a great fit for me. I don't think I, I wouldn't want to go there, you know, but, you know, that you can't really you can't really control that. You know, if, if, a, if an organization is going to select you, your job is to come up there and be the best you and learn and and develop yourself right away. I do believe that certain schemes, especially, you know, defenders, if, you know, if you go to the right scheme and the right system and you get the right opportunity, you can flourish. You know, I think that that that's important. But if and if you don't like, obviously, I think that will make your chances like that opportunity will pass by. Like you you won't get to truly shine your light. It's like being an off man corner. And then they tell you, you know, well, we're going to make you press here. Well, if you ain't never pressed before in your life, like if you if you was in college and you was the best off man corner and now you get into the league and they tell you to press, like, obviously, you're not going to be as good right away. Like you got to you. It's going to take a long time for you to figure it out, because that press technique, if y'all don't know, learning press is is difficult. And it's, <laughs> you, you got to you got to dedicate yourself to knowing that press technique in the league. So. So like, yeah, so if you go to that's what I'm saying, when like that system wouldn't work for you and it wouldn't fit. So now your career don't look as good because now they got you doing something that you're not normally good at. Now, granted, moving forward, you know, they've been better at getting guys to fit the team and fit the fit a scheme that they're running. But, you know, there's still uh, some teams that some guys that go to places that they shouldn't be and they don't get the right 
the right look, I should say. And and now they're bouncing around and people's like, well, what's wrong with them? And it's like, well, they're not in the right scheme. They have that scheme at the end is not the right one. And they might have not just had the right opportunity because that's a huge thing in the NFL for me knowing that from firsthand experience. I mean, if you ain't got no opportunity to go out there on that field and showcase your talent, I mean, you'll bounce around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, is, is there any Buckeye who could have Seattle in his future in the next few days? Obviously, they've got the two receivers <laughs> who are probably going to go maybe around the time that Seattle picks. Probably not to Seattle. You'd expect not unless something massive happens with DK Metcalf. Is there any other Ohio State guys who we should kind of like put a, put a pin in and keep an eye out for next weekend? Yeah, Nicholas Petit Ferrer is a offensive tackle. He's really good. Um, you know, obviously the offensive line at at um Seattle has been up and down. You know, they got their up and down moments. You got moments where they really good, some moments they're not. I know Russell complained about getting hit a lot. So, you know, now that he's gone and he's off the books, I think you want to try to do your best you can to protect your net, your future quarterback. So that's a guy that I could see them looking at. Um I see today Seattle has extended Jamarco Jones, who is a Buckeye. So, you know, he's doing pretty good for them. So you might as well pair him with another one. Um, <laughs> moving to the defensive side of the ball, um, Haskell Garrett is a great defensive tackle. He could come in there and uh, he's played in a similar scheme to what they used to play in Seattle. Um, so he can be a plug and play type of guy. Um, I don't I don't I think he'd be like a third round or maybe late second, third round type of guy. He can come in there and be very effective in that that defensive scheme. And um, lastly, you know, always you can look for an edge rusher is a guy by the name of Tyreek Smith. Um, he was at Ohio State last year. He was a uh, pretty he was productive. You know, he was on and off, you know, hot and cold type of guy. But when he was on, he definitely got a lot of pressure on them quarterbacks. He'd be a guy who, who could be developed and can really turn into something special if he gets into the right hand. So those are three names that, you know, I think that, you know, Seattle could look at. And then if all goes to shit next season for the Seahawks, we'll just have to hope that we get CJ Stroud in 12 months' time. <laughs> DJ Stroud would definitely be a good little pick, but you never know. <laughs> they might get Baker Mayfield. They might get Jimmy G, you know? So, you know, it is what it is. We'll see. Well, on quarterbacks, you mentioned Russell Wilson. Uh, you may have heard it, it went under the radar, but he actually got traded this offseason to Denver. Like, it was a, quite a low-key story. It didn't make much news. So you, you may have missed it. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you were in Seattle in 2016 and then 2017. Um which kind of feel like the years to me where the team transitioned from maybe the defense-led to Russell-led team. Yes. Did you get the vibe that he was a natural leader? Because for yes. me, okay, that's interesting. Because for me, look, what what the hell do I know? I'm a fan watching on TV, and <laughs> so like you know, I know as you know, I, I've you've forgotten as much as I'll ever know about football. You know, so you know, it, it is what it is. But I'm looking at it thinking. They went from such a group of alphas running that team, Sherman, all those guys, to Russ, who isn't an, doesn't appear to be an alpha in the same vein. Mm-hmm. But how did you see that transition in leadership from the defense to Russell's team? Because there are a lot of fans that would say that's what has maybe sunk the team in terms of championship success since then. <laughs> I wouldn't say that that was sunk the team. What sunk the team is that they had a defensive scheme and they thought that the defensive scheme – was so good that they didn't need the players. You know, mm-hmm. they thought that we could just plug in anyway. We don't need Richard Sherman. We could just plug in whoever. And this scheme is this defensive scheme is so good 
And we've gone so far with it that whoever the players, if they just do us in the scheme, they'll be fine. And they that's not true. You definitely need players in there because players make plays. So that's ultimately what the difference was. Now, when we go to when you talk about Russell Wilson's leadership, I wouldn't say that he's a he wasn't one of those guys that, you know, uh, definitely wasn't one of those alpha guys that come out there and say, we're going to go out there. We're going to bust a and all. No, that wasn't him. <laughs> he was a guy who just had a positive mentality. You know, he just spoke positive. No matter if we was down 21, nothing, he'd be like, we're going to get them. Don't worry, guys. We're going to rally out. We're going to come out here with some fire. We're going to come out there. We're going to make it happen. Let's go guys. Let's go. He was one of those type of guys. Like he just always was positive, always kept the team up route. Like, okay, we still got a chance. Don't worry. I'm going to go out there on offense. I'm going to make something happen and give a spark. You know, that's, who Russell was, whereas the defense, obviously, they was like, listen, we some dogs, y'all with us, we going out here, we, we, this, this is just a glorified practice, like, we, we, we go harder in practice than in the game, so just go out there, and if you get scared, just make, look to the left, look to the right, just know you got a dog with you, we gonna go out there and handle business, and that's, that's where the defense was at, so that was the two totally different, you know, mindsets of leadership. Yeah, uh, one thing, uh, Reese, Look, researching for this, this, this part. I saw you. You, you have. You've had uh, all the nil uh, oh, yeah, creeping yeah. into college football and high school. I think is what I yeah, saw. Yeah. Your take is what like, for those not everyone watches and follows college football as intently over here. What 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 is happening? Because it's it's happening. It's all transfer portal <laughs> is pretty much on Twitter every single day. Yeah. Um, so it, just to explain to people who maybe what NIL is and your, your so, stance on, on the high school side of it, especially. NIL in college is name, image, and likeness. So basically now in college, if you go out there, so say for, for a small example, my I'm, I'm number 23 for Ohio State. You a fan. I'm your favorite player. You go out there and you say, hey, I want to I want a Tyvis Powell Ohio State jersey. All right. You go buy the jersey. Now I get the sales for those jerseys. Like you buying my jersey like I'm going to get that money. Like if you want me to come do a, a signing or something, I can come do the signing and get paid for doing that signing. You want me to do a commercial? I can do the commercial like because you want is me. I'm a big time player. I'm getting paid for me, my name. So that's what that is. Um, they trying to pull it now in the high school where the high school players can get that. And I just don't think it's a great idea. <laughs> I just, I really don't think it's a good idea at all. But like I say, I, I, I'm not hating on it at all. Like I, if you're going to pay these kids, you know, these, put these kids in poverty situations, I mean, that's good to give them a couple of dollars, but uh, it's just like, it's, it's too much that goes into it. Like you got to pay taxes on that money. These kids don't know nothing about no taxes. And then they're going to say, they'll say, well, the parents should be responsible for that. Like, their parents don't know nothing about no taxes. So, like, so I don't just don't think it's a good idea. It's, it's putting these 16 and 17 year olds in the, it's growing them up too fast. And I just don't think it's a great thing. And I think it's going to monopolize uh, high school football. I think it will put, like, for example, I don't know what the, what the big, big soccer high school is and out there with y'all, but just imagine all of the top players decided, hey, if we want to make the most money we can off of our name, let's just all go here because that's going to bring endorsements to that school. 
they're gonna be on TV, so people gonna see us. Whether the and then they'll like the the kid that's in the district of the whatever the local high school is, he's gonna leave there and go to the big time school because what they gonna do for him here? He can make more money at this big time school if he's there. So like, I think it's just gonna make it to where it's like three teams that everybody, three <laughs> schools that everybody gonna go to, and it's just gonna be them three competing for championships every year. So that's my look. Well, I, I was the captain of my high school soccer team. And apart from my mum, no one was even in the stands watching us play. <laughs> so sadly, there was nothing coming. There was nothing coming there. But look, we have a saying here that you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So, you know, this NIL thing is out there now. Um, if you were able to, you know, I mean, it, 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 firstly, it sounds like the NCAA needs an overall commissioner to maybe try and pull this all together. So it they, seems they, they not doing it. They like y'all do y'all govern y'all. Yeah, we out if, y'all do your thing. I, I'm, 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 I'm putting Tyvis Powell in charge of the NCAA for 24 <laughs> hours. How are you cleaning this mess up? Because it does seem to be a mess. Listen, in the they need to do something to where they need to make it just like I, I get. Like the better the school, obviously the the more attention you'll get, the more money you can make. But I don't know. It's like they got a for a high school. The way I don't know how to fix it in college, but high school, I would say you could put a salary cap on it. Like mm-hmm. kids can't make this much money. Like they like this is the the absolute most you can make without. Because if you make any more of this, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So I think you need, if you just stay at this, this is some good money right here. You never would have had this money. So we're going to give you this much and everybody can't exceed this limit. I think that would just, all right, everybody be like, it ain't no point of us all going to the same place because we all going to make the same money wherever we go. So I would put a cap on it in high school. It seems like a team a team cap would make sense too, no? So that you can just spread the wealth a bit in the same way as like the NFL salary cap. You know, Oregon have just spent $1.5 million on a offensive tackle, which just seems crazy. If they said, you know, <laughs> each college team can spend a million dollars a year on NIL, that seems like it would maybe make it a bit easier, no? I, it, I mean, it would, but, <laughs> but see, then it now, okay, so now... Now you got players on the team like, well, why does he get that big slice of the pie? Like, I make plays too. Why, why he get that? Why can't I make the same amount he makes? So now you, now you making a, you building raft in your own team. Like now, who, who, who in your Ohio State team is knocking on the boosters' door saying, "Hey, Zeke's making this. I, I need, I need my, need my bread." Joey Bosa would say that. <laughs> Joey would say that. Mike would say that. Braxton would definitely say that. <laughs> um, so, oh, oh, on that high school thing, though, see, QB1 was a series for a few years on Netflix, and some of the high schools they had on there were like the Vegas one was like the size of England. Yeah, Spencer Rattler's high school. <laughs> And it was just—it's ridiculous. Like, I know. Yeah, but, it's getting ridiculous. But then you've got like it was Sam Hartman who was in high school in North Carolina. He was like practicing in a swamp, and you're like, how is this? Yeah. And obviously now Hartman is is so, the so, thing still in so, college. So but... imagine, imagine in the NIL was in play. You yeah. think he gonna? Yeah. You think that he gonna stay and practice in the swamp? <laughs> we can go, go up the road to a better, a bigger <laughs> school and get paid more money. That's exactly my point. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so mad to see. It's, look, it's particularly the Vegas one was just like we don't have 
schools like that for 14, 15, 16 year olds. It was uh, insane. How, how, obviously, I've mentioned a few times you're, you're doing spots on the radio. How's how did that come about? And how are you? I'm guessing it's something you're enjoying doing on on the regular as well. Is 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 that something that well that you are enjoying? Is it or is that something you always planned on doing? I always planned on going into to media. You know, obviously I wanted to go on TV, but, you know, you got to you gotta start on the radio, you know. And how did I get on the radio? That's actually a good question. I got, I got on the radio because I was – so I was sitting down, and, you know, I expressed to one of my good friends that I wanted to go into media. And he his, his NFL career had ended, like, a couple of years before mine's. And he basically gave me the game plan of what he did. So I basically am just following the same footsteps that he did because right now he's moved on to the Big Ten and now he's on uh, Valley Sports. And he's he's moved up. Let's just say it that way. He's doing, <laughs> he's doing well for himself is what I'm saying. <laughs> and he started off on the same radio that I started off at. So I'm just basically doing that until – something bigger comes up and hopefully you're just trying to, it's all about repetition. It's like playing football. You, you got to go out there and you got to do it. So, you know, each day that I get to be on the radio and do a show, obviously I'm working on something and being able to articulate better and basically just share my knowledge. It's not, it's not as fun as playing the sport, but to be able to talk about the sport in a way that fans can understand it and share stories and, you know, give them some insight, inside information about stuff. It's pretty cool, man. I actually enjoy it. So it's it's great because you know you're at 28, I think, think you yes. are like and I so I follow yourself. I follow someone like Charles James on social. Now he can go a little bit crazy uh on Twitter, but like the people like yourself who have grown up uh engrossed in social media, your whole career there's been social media around and you don't mind standing up for a player and quote retweeting someone and saying, This is bullshit. Like Correct. this is what it needs to be. I I think that's great for the game and it's going to take it more to the NBA style of this is a players league yeah. uh, you know the players are going to dominate the narrative is that how it feels like it's going because it does feel at, at times like it is the cranky old white owner that gets to dominate the narrative in the NFL but perhaps it's moving in the right direction now I think you know what uh, players definitely have more voices than they had before you know it's it's been times where a lot of stuff has come out and, you know, a lot of back in the day, people would just not just mind their own business. Nowadays, you see people that it has nothing to do with your team or your organization, but they'll speak out on it because everybody wants to be on the same page. Everybody needs to know that, you know, in the NFL, the players is kind of it's a brotherhood. You know, everybody has respect for each other. And if you see somebody getting treated mis or getting mistreated, you're going to speak your mind and show that you support them and that you got their back. So it is good to see that, that that's happening. And I definitely think it's moving in the right direction. It's not quite a player's league yet, but it does seem like players are starting to make more demands now. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, obviously close to home for you, Baker Mayfield, he's been on podcasts. He hasn't been yep. on like social media or doing press conferences. He's been on podcasts making his displeasure at what's happened over the last few months. What he see, what he sees has happened in in Cleveland. He's doing it on podcasts and things like that because I mean everyone's got a podcast at this point, aren't they? So yeah. there's so many, there's more avenues and opportunities for that as well. Um, anything else? Yeah. So 
Tavis, my wife and I are lucky enough that in July we're going to be blessed with our first child. And uh, Ooh, I was, I was check. Thank you. I was checking out on your Twitter now. Muppets Babies. Is that oh, something that's going to be? Gosh. I saw you had to miss the game because of Muppet <laughs> Babies. Now, Peppa, oh, Peppa Pig. Goodness. Peppa Pig's a big deal over here. I'm not sure Peppa Pig's translates <laughs> to the NFL. But oh, my daughter's a Peppa Pig person too. She she does every time Peppa Pig come on, she goes. So it's, 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 <laughs> but, but they freak me out. They they freak me out being in two D with two eyes, like on both sides of their head. That doesn't make sense. But you know, is, is Muppet Babies going to be a safe one for me to skip a game for? Or am I am I in big trouble? Muppet Babies, you gonna learn that theme song <laughs> very fast. Between that and Bluey, those two shows, you go, you definitely gonna watch it for sure. I'm telling you, my <laughs> daughter would sit there and watch that for hours, and I'd just be like, uh, I, to the point, I know it, I know everything. Like it's, it's like wow, and I don't even be watching it. Like she be over there watching it, <laughs> but I hear it. And it's like, I just continuously hear the same song go over and over and over. And I'm just like, this is sad. So my, my other thing is uh, I'm a chef caterer by trade. So I just typed in Tyvis Pal food into Google and see what came up. And it seems like you've been doing some cereal videos, like oh, yeah. Frosty's Crunch and yeah. all this stuff on YouTube with, with people. Like what the hell is the deal with that? So, so a friend that I know does cereal reviews, you know, all these cereals come out and, and people, people, you go in the grocery store and you see the cereal and it'd be like, wow, stuff like Jolly Rancher cereal or something like that. You'd be like, what is that about? Well, he is the type of person that goes by it, eats it and then tells you about it. So <laughs> he would be like, would you come on and do try some cereal with me? And I'm like, yeah, we I come on and try some cereal. So we eat it. And I tell you, like, all right, this Jolly Rancher cereal tastes just like the Jolly Rancher candy. Like, so you like Jolly Ranchers, you'll like this cereal. Like, that's kind of how we do that. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's fun. That plus Muppet Baby sounds like a vibe for a kid, I have to say. Is there a, a food take that you have? Obviously, we've had, uh, we had Madre Harper, who's, I think he's in, in Carolina now. He didn't like coconut. Um, we have Doug Baldwin talked about Pop-Tarts for a bit. Um, is there a food take that you like are always getting arguments over? <sighs> no, the only the only argument that I get into on a daily basis is with my wife about pickles. I love pickles. She my man. Yeah, I, I eat pickles. She don't. And I'm just <laughs> like, how could you not like this? Like, it, I used to get them out the bag as kids. Like, what is wrong with you? So that that's the the biggest argument and the biggest take that I have is that pickles on a sandwich makes it especially like like ch- chicken sandwiches or burgers oh it makes the whole thing like it changes the whole flavor of the whole thing and it makes it but she just not hearing it so her loss <laughs> so the only food thing i have is uh, I, i've never and i don't plan on eating egg like fried eggs? scrambled fried that scrambled never had an egg so i, I have a nightmare to breakfast for but yeah, I, I didn't gave up dairy for the past three weeks, but before <laughs> I did, I used to eat me about two eggs. I, I, I got real good at making omelets. Oh, <laughs> I can make you an omelet. You'll be like, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Maybe that should be Stuart's first egg. If you ever come to the UK, it should be Tyvis Power making an omelet for Stuart. That could, that could be a great <laughs> way was, to start. That could work. I listen, he'd, he'd eat that and be 
like, listen, this is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we have a thing on this pod, usually wrap up. It's called we put things or people in the bin. So it's people who have annoyed us, things that have annoyed us. And uh, But last week, Adam Schefter went in the bin for numerous yeah. reasons. And he's now blocked me on Twitter, which is quite fun. I don't know how I've gone on his radar, but I did. Um, so is there anything over the past week or sport or NFL, any sport related that you kind of just want to, you've had enough of and you want to get rid of? Uh, what do I want to get rid of? I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I a team that I'm done with that, that can go in the bin is the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> they blew this league again. Like, so for, for a while, you know, when they won the first game against the Grizzlies, you know, I'm like, oh, this is going to, this is going to be a great series. Like this is, we got Anthony Edwards and we got Ja. And ever since then, like they just been terrible. And it's just like, Get the series over with them and the Utah Jazz, both of them. They both of them go into being like they they do, do. I'm done with. Um, talking about basketball, what's your take on the Kyrie Irving uh, behind the back thing that he did to the crowd a few nights ago? Well, I think it's oh. it's sensational. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, listen, my my take on that is. Listen, they do it to him all the time. Like, they, so, so you're going to be mad because he does it back. So it's okay for you to do it to him, but you don't expect him to reach out. Like, he's a human being. Like, y'all, y'all, they treat these, they treat athletes like they just not, they less than or something. Like, you could, you think you could just go up there and talk to people any type of way and flick them off and, and talk about them, to tell them they suck and sorry and all this and think that they can't retaliate? Like, what do you mean? Like, for every action, there's a pos- there's an equal or greater reaction. Like that's like what ain't that like a a law theory or something like mm. that? <laughs> so that, it is what it is. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you go flick me off, then I should have the right to flick you off back. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of stuff you could have a problem with Kyrie Irving over. That is not one of the yeah, things yeah, for me. Yeah. Uh, Adam. Yeah, no, look, Tigers, look, you've you've had a spin in the bin, as we call it. You've done your bin, and I think it was a terrific, terrific effort. Now. We don't want to have to put you in the bin, okay? So we have a very simple request, right? We had three guys on our bucket list and we started this podcast that we'd love to speak to. The first one was Doug Baldwin and we were lucky enough to speak to him last year. The second one was Beast Mode. Now I'm going to ask you for a Beast Mode story soon because everyone has a Beast Mode story as far as I can tell that's played in Seattle. The third one is your man, Richard Sherman. Now he's retired now. We think we run a nice little chat for an hour and we would love to have the guy on. What do we have to do to get Sherman to join us? You know, we've had Doug. You seem, you know, you, you've, you've, you've said you speak to him every day. Every what day. Else, what else could you have to speak to about the best Seahawk podcast? You can argue about that. He can say something else. You can say this. It would be great. Well, sure. I think that's the best way to do it. Sure's thing is Sharon got his own podcast. Hey, we'll go on his. We can be a guest on his Listen, podcast. Yeah, see, <laughs> that would put in the ratings. That's don't worry what about you that. have to do because I don't think I think he got it written that he can't do other people's podcasts. So I think he can only do his own. I think uh, well, you're gonna have to tell him that he has to invite yeah. us on his show. Otherwise, it's just not gonna work. But yeah, but then we'll only put it on and call it the pedestrian podcast at the start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we do we do need a beast mode story because I know from talking uh, to seven or eight players, everyone has a beast mode story. So let, let's wrap up with your one time because I'm sure it's going to be a good one. So my beast mode story is this. So I'm at, this is my rookie year 
And Beast Mode had retired. That was the year he retired, so he wasn't playing. But obviously, he was still in the area. So Sherm was so kind to invite me over, me and my family over for Christmas. Or was it Christmas? It was either Christmas or Thanksgiving. I can't remember. It was one of the two. I want to say Christmas. I'm going to go with Christmas. And... He was like, we having a we having a dinner, you know, bring your family through the dinner. My wife's cooked. We got all this food, you know, bring your family over. OK, so, so I bring my family over and whatnot. We sit there. A uh, couple of the other players, here, I think Cam came with his family, with his wife. Um, Bobby popped in and <laughs> we sit there. Everybody gets they plate of food. Right. In comes Marshawn. <laughs> <laughs> He just barges in the house, right? He says what's up to everybody. So he comes in there. He goes, I just want everybody. Did everybody get a plate of food? Everybody like, yeah. He says, the food good. Everybody like, yeah. Everybody starts clapping. He said, good, because I'm taking the rest of it with me. (laughs) And literally, it takes the food and walks out. I said, man, this man is wild, man. So, yeah, that was my, that was the first time I met Marshawn. And he was exactly how I thought he would be. He's a funny guy. Brilliant. He seems like, uh, he seems like one of the greatest people to ever walk the earth, to be honest. (laughs) He he just keeps it real. He's, he is unapologetically himself and Mm. it's, it's hilarious at times. Yeah. It's, he's, yeah. Uh, so where can people, if, uh, as I said, we really do appreciate you spending time with us, uh, on on your Friday evening. Uh, where can people, follow you on socials, catch up with you. And we have a few, we have a decent number of American listeners. If people are in the area of Columbus, where can they catch your radio and your, your media stuff at the minute? So if you, if you in Columbus, you can catch it on 97.1 on uh, FM radio. Um, if you're not in Columbus, you can always go, you can search www.971thefan.com. And at the bottom right hand corner, it'll be like a play button. You can hit play on that. Um, I'll be on the Buckeye show and Rothman and Ice. Uh, you can catch that. They they after we get off the radio, they put it on wherever you get your podcast from. You just search in the Buckeye show or you search in Rothman and Ice. Boom, you can catch the episode on the podcast like that. Um and yeah, on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at one Tyvis and on Instagram, same thing at one Tyvis. Awesome. Uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy watching the draft with the comfort without the stress of your phone blowing off the hook, as you yeah. did six years ago. Because it is, it was, so, it's such a stressful watch. I'll it post is. it with the podcast, the the, the three or four episodes, the uh, videos you did for that. It's it's mad how. Obviously, it's all edited together, but it I feels might, like it was what? like within five seconds you were getting Pittsburgh, San Diego, LA, yeah. Seattle. It's just like, you know what? Like, I might I might turn it over and watch it again. Just <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, if we get involved with the podcast, we're going to do a live draft thing next Thursday night for some of it, and probably until the Seahawks pick at 9, 12, 24, whichever one they trade back to, because that's probably going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, patreon.com forward slash Persian podcast, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all the usual means and methods. Uh, enjoy your uh, St. George's Day over here this weekend. Uh, enjoy the weekend. And until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks.